something about, you know, when you're trading your time for money, there's a finite amount of time. So there's a finite amount of money. And if you're uh. if you're salaried, then you're never going to. I mean, you can invest it wisely and, and do all these other things and, you know, plan for your retirement and all those other things, man. But something about putting in a vacation request form, like I asked him to go on vacation was, I think, the straw that broke the camel's back for me, man. I just. are now listening to the Your First Steps podcast. It's great to talk about million-dollar dreams, but where do we start? How do we get there? Listen up. As you hear directly from real estate industry leaders on how they reach success in their fields, and most importantly, what were their first steps? Let's get this party started. Here's your host, Eli the Real Estate Guy. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Eli, the real estate guy, and thank you all so much for watching another uh, video on our podcast, which is called the Your First Steps Podcast. Uh, and when you're talking about uh, real estate, uh, real estate investing, uh, operations management, uh, property management, philanthropists, and just overall, this great guy, uh, I'm super excited to have uh, our guest today. Uh, that is uh, J uh, Otis James. Otis, how you doing today, man? What's up, man? I'm, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to be involved, man. You're awesome. a good dude in my book. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. So uh, before we get started, for the people that may not know uh, you or the things that you've done, kind of give like a, a brief intro of, of who you are and some of the things that you've done. Yeah. So I've been in, a, I grew up in real estate. Uh, my father's been in real estate for about 48 years. He's been a broker for 48 years. We partnered on some things. So, you know, three years old, I was going with him. That was our, our time together, going to real estate meetings. Um, was a licensed real estate broker or I'm a licensed real estate broker now. I've been licensed uh, in real estate since 2002. I, oops. I have a uh, multifamily background industry. So I was uh, operating for one of the largest multifamily operators in the world, really here in the Bay Area. Um, I was overseeing 600 million in multifamily real estate. It's about 2,700 units. Um, I had a mortgage company. My father and I started a mortgage company that ran for about 10 years, Mortgage of the Rock. We had a brokerage company. I'm a licensed broker in California, Georgia, um, pending in South Carolina, and uh, I may do North Carolina next. Um, so I'm well-versed on the lending side. I've done some non-real estate entrepreneurial stuff. Uh, I utilize an outsourcing business model, and uh, but my last company grossed seven figures um, for the, the few years that it was uh, around. Um, I'm licensed in life insurance. I don't sell it. Uh, I just so I can speak intelligently about it. And uh, there's probably a few more things that sound uh, a lot more impressive on paper than real life. So, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so I'm kind of curious the the non real estate uh, businesses that you had. Uh, what were some of those non real estate things that you were doing? Uh, I, I can't say because there's a, okay. a conflict of uh, interest situation there, but basically, but I'll, I'll tell you this, the business model that I use is I, uh, I already had the demand. Um, so I went and found somebody else that was doing something, but on a much smaller scale. And I just hired them, rebranded it, and then marked the price up 40%. Nice. So nice. I, I didn't have to have any uh, of the equipment. I didn't have to have any employees. It was just me. And uh, just writing checks and and, and and receiving checks on that thing. Gotcha. So. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. So, 
Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you about it uh, offline. I'll tell you. I'll tell okay. you exactly. Okay, about. gotcha. I was like, you'd be very vague on some things. Like, yeah, I did some things. I wrote some checks and bada bing, bada boom. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, um, just to kind of uh, let people know about how, um, yeah, I, I, I met Otis and how I found out about him. So, this started off. Um, I'd say I first got on Clubhouse. Uh, geez, this was 2020, I believe. Uh, so late 2020. Uh, and you know, my wife was telling me, oh, there's this new app is, is great to, to get on. And at first I'm like, okay, well, I don't really care to go on, you know, another thing. Like there's already Facebook, there's already Twitter, which I barely go on. There's already Instagram and I barely, you know, went on that. And she's like, oh no, th- there's an app to where you talk to people. And it's like, well, who are these people? Who am I talking to? And at first I was really hesitant on, on doing it. But then one day I saw her uh, in a room with, uh, some other uh, women. And I forgot the name of the, the group that they're in, but I heard the conversations that they were having. I'm like, Oh, so this isn't just people going on and kind of wasting time and just being, you know, weird or whatever. It's actually like a meaningful conversation that's going on. And so, uh, especially within the real estate space, um, I just remember uh, seeing Otis in a, a, a few rooms and, uh, him just really, uh, digging into different things that he's done and just really answering questions and uh, really uh, being value uh, first. Uh, and so that that's where I met Otis. And that's why I uh, you know, I love everything that he's doing. I love the information that he provides. But we're going to get to the clubhouse and the mentorship and all that stuff. But first, I want to uh, go back to your childhood uh, and know what was it like in the in the, the James household? Like, what was it like growing up? Uh, you know, where are you from? And what, what was that experience like growing up as a kid? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm from uh, my parents is old school, right? They're from Hunters Point Projects, uh, San Francisco. So they moved down. I was a, just a baby when uh, you know I was born in San Jose, uh, San Jose, California, and uh, you know it was they were working, man. Like we were often one of the only black families in the neighborhoods that we were in, and uh, you know my dad worked a lot, you know, real estate because you know when you're in real estate, you're on everybody else's time, right? So he worked a lot and. Uh, we hung out by me just going to him, going with him to, you know, work meetings. All right. So three, four, five years old. You know, back then, man, old people back then, old people was like 35 years old was old. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but old people yeah. could talk forever, man. And uh, we'd be in some of these, these these meetings for, you know, three and four hours. And all of that, that real estate talk just got embedded, you know, into into my uh, let's call it my, my intellectual storehouse. Right. So by 10, 11 years old, man, I could talk real estate with the average adult. And, uh, you know, we, you know, I was just a regular kid, you know, finding yourself. And then ultimately you you gravitate towards what you've been exposed to. And uh, there was just a certain prestige back then with real estate professionals Mm -hmm. and uh, just a certain integrity that came about with it. And it was just I was just attracted to that. So. I got in it, man. I tried to work. Uh, you know, I, I was in corporate America for for a while. Um, nothing against corporate America. I just uh, and I did well in it. But uh, something about you know when you're trading your time for money, there's a finite amount of time. So there's a finite amount of money. And if you're uh. if you're salaried, then you're never going to. I mean, you can invest it wisely and, and do all these other things and you know plan for your retirement and all those other things, man. But Something about putting in a vacation request form. Like I asked him to go on vacation, 
was I think the straw that broke the camel's back for me, man. I just, and I've always done my own thing as a kid, right? As soon as I can get out of the house, I'm out with my friends, we playing in the creek, we riding bikes, we doing all types of terrorism over the, uh, throughout the neighborhood, right? Okay. So, uh, so I've, I've been accustomed, man, to just doing things by myself. And, uh, you know, I like, uh, I've always been, I'm not gonna say a loner, because I've always been, you know, kind of an extrovert. But, uh, you know, there were certain entrepreneurial qualities that were developing before I even knew they were developing. And uh, I've always been curious about stuff. Um, yeah, so that's pre- pretty much it, man. And outside of that, you know, I got in the same trouble as everybody else was getting in as a kid. Um, but, you know, I got good parents, man. My parents have been together 50 years. Nice. 50 Very nice. something years or something like that. Um, they're 35 minutes from here. Nice. Uh, they're, they're the proudest people in the world, man. There you go. So, uh, so as far as some of the entrepreneurial traits that you had as a kid, uh, what were some of those things that you were picking up that you didn't know, uh, but um, you just kind of picked up over time and it helped you later on in life? I always thought I could do things better than everybody else, whether I actually could or couldn't. I just felt like I could do things better than everybody else, mm-hmm. especially, uh, you know, the, the I've always wanted to go kind of my own direction. Um, it just I, I don't know, man. It's just something about I, I don't know where it came from. But if I see somebody doing it, I go in there. I know I can do it better. And there's just been an enormous amount of confidence that's, you know, kind of built up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I get you know, I'm not saying I don't ever get nervous when going yeah. into a, a new situation, but. Man, my dad used to tell me how great I was all the time. And then he would tell other people how great I was all the time. So by the time I'm getting older, man, I'm sitting in there. I'm sitting in operating operation meetings with, you know, Harvard grads, Stanford grads, you know, professionals that worked out the White House. And here I am with, you know, almost enough credits to graduate from junior college. Nice. <laughs> and I feel like I'm just running it, man. I'm, I'm genuinely feeling like these people... I will drag these people through the mud in an apples for apples situation. So very nice. You know, I you know, be careful what you tell your kids, man, because eventually they're gonna believe it, whether that's positive or negative. And and that's that's something I, I wanted to touch on. I definitely uh, could say just from speaking to different people and uh, different successes uh, that they had in life or different struggles that they had in life, a lot of it comes from their parents telling them you can do whatever you want or the ones that didn't do as much as they wanted to do. It came from uh, them always being told and just from conversation, me hearing, oh, there's a ceiling because you got to work twice as hard because the man and this and that. But I I do think it is important, like you're saying, to always uh, tell your kids uh, that there isn't a cap based on the external. The cap is yourself. And as long as you're able to, uh, you know, as long as you have it inside yourself to work hard and get to that next level, you're uh, you're what's going to uh, determine what your next success level is. So I, I love Absolutely. that your parents did that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I'm very fortunate. I will say that. There you go. Uh, and uh, going into uh, your teenage years, what are some jobs that you had uh, or if you did have jobs at the beginning? <laughs> uh, how, how did that go about? Man, 15 years old, I had the, uh, the hardest job I ever had was uh, working in the hamburger there's this place called raging waters which is a water slide park and i worked in the hamburger shop okay yeah until this day was the hardest work i ever <laughs> i ever i ever had man gotcha. uh you know and i had jobs like working at the you know foot locker and you know those jobs just so i can get discounts because you know i'm always trying to as a kid you got to be on your fly stuff right exactly. so exactly you know i need my clothes and shoes and the car and, and all that stuff mm-hmm. but uh 
man, it just, it was, they were just jobs, right? They were just, and I didn't really, I didn't really appreciate them. I wasn't, I was always wanting to take the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really that hard of a worker, man. I just was there for, you know, whatever money I needed to, to do what I needed to do at the time. So and then I went in the Navy, you know, at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. With the Navy, that structure didn't work out very well. I did about three, three years and two months, and then uh, the Navy and I both agreed that <laughs> I was not Navy material. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so was it just basically your eye was on the, the prize of another prize, basically, and you're like, hey, I'm just here, so I won't get fined, basically, or what was what was the deal? Man, I was walking through the base one time, and I saw this huge house. Right, it was like a, it was the base commander. He was an admiral. And, uh, you know, I was like, wow, that is that is dope. I'd, I'd love I want to live in a house like that. So I went back, man, and I researched how long it would take me to be an admiral if I was even good at being in the Navy. Right. Right. And it was something like 25 to 35 years. It could be anywhere in there. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of time because I think at the time it was like one hundred and he made like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or something like that. Plus, the house was free and everything was paid and wow. all that stuff. And I'm like. I'm not doing that, man. I'm trying to do that as while I'm young. Exactly. So, man, um, I was uh, politely escorted out of the Navy. <laughs> gotcha. All right. And at this point, it wasn't even for one particular reason. It was like gotcha. a, a bunch of little stuff had, had, had piled up. It was like, you know, and, let's, uh, let's agree to, to disagree on you being here. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, with that, um, I know you were uh, around your dad um, of him being a, a broker uh, and as time went on, uh, you eventually got into property management. So how did that, how did the transition from what you were doing before into property management? Or was there a period uh, between? Oh, no, man. Between those? I, I got out of the Navy and I went to work for uh, AT&T, which was Comcast. They like, it was TCI. It was acquired by AT&T. They were acquired by Comcast or something. It was the cable company. Right, right. And uh, I was working on the, the we were the first uh, broadband internet techs in uh, California. So we were testing that whole thing. And uh, so I did that for a couple of years, then went to work for the phone company doing their DSL. And uh, one day somebody came in, my manager came in and said, hey, we're going to downsize. We'll give you $25,000 in two weeks pay for every every year that you've been here. And I'd been there two years. So that equated to like $30,000 for me. And I had never seen that kind of money. Right. And before he finished talking, I was like, yeah, I'm out. No, no plan, no anything, right? right so right. I get out and I, uh, the first thing I did was I went and bought a car. I bought a Nissan Altima and had uh, TVs put in the headrest oh and got some rims on it. Why not? The, Why not? A billion. A billion. Just the dumbest thing, right? So I was broke again in six months. <laughs> so, gotcha. so I, gotcha. I needed a job, man. So right. I, went, I went to go uh, apply for leasing apartments. And I figured, how hard can that be, right? I, I came from a real estate family. And I got into it, man, and um, I was just really good at it. I was a top gun, a top salesman of a quarter multiple times. And just uh, and I wasn't even trying, man. This is like 30% effort, right? Um, and I just kind of stayed into it. And then while I was in property management, I decided to become a notary. And then instead of just being a notary, I decided to start a notary business. And I would just outsource all my jobs and take a cut over everybody that I sent nationwide. So that worked out. And then uh, around that time, I got licensed. I was a licensed uh, realtor uh, at the same time. Went from there, man. And then uh, I got out of the multifamily space, leasing apartments in 2000 or in uh, 2000 and 
three, I believe, because I was doing real estate and all these things at the same time. And the real estate market tanked, man, uh, in 2008, flat broke. Yeah. And uh, they, I got a call from the multifamily industry. They asked me if I wanted to come back. And I was like, nah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bounce back. There you go. It didn't bounce back, bro. <laughs> They got the, hey, they got that call. They called me again in 2010, and I went in in 2010. Some people, uh, you know, vouched for me, and I just rose up the ranks, man. So nice. when I left that industry, uh, my next promotion would have been a regional vice president. So nice. Um, so Very yeah, nice. and then full entrepreneur from there. So something that uh, you said that was kind of interesting, and you just kind of uh, went through it with you becoming a notary and then um, having that notary business. There's a guy. Uh, his name is uh, Andre Hatchett. Uh, he uh, he talks about. You, are you familiar with Andre Hatchett? No. So basically, within the the space of entrepreneurship, and if you follow like uh, um, Earn Your Leisure, and you know all these guys, uh, usually they have on different people that are uh, known for their particular thing. And uh, mm-hmm. Andre, his thing is being a notary. Uh, oh. And I, I just thought it was interesting how I've never heard of somebody. Uh, describing uh, the notary, uh, just being a notary as a as a business, and he would explain exactly what you said. Of uh, when he first decided to be a notary, he he was doing it. He was working at a job, uh, and I forgot where it was. Uh, he made a certain amount of day, um, as far as like his shifts, like it was hourly. He got paid every week, but he just kind of calculated from doing one uh, assignment, he made half of uh, what he would have made that day. And it only took him 30 minutes to get this done, but it took him eight hours to get uh, double that amount. So from that point, he was like, wait, hold on. There's something here. Let me use this as a business. So for you to have that foresight of, yes, I'm doing this, but also I have this and it turned out into a business. Did you um, go in with the intentions of, I'm going to be a notary too? have a business or was it a, let me do this cause it'll bring an extra income. But then you're like, Oh wait, hold on. There's an opportunity here. Oh man. So I was a signing agent, right? So I, I notarized loan documents, real estate documents. Uh-huh. And one, uh, I went to one signing is this attorney and this dude read every single page. This was like 120 pages or something like that. And I had to sit there through that. And I'm like, I'm never doing this again. My dog's over there going ham. So I, I said, I'm never doing this again. So I, I just, the people that sent me, I just looked at their paperwork, right? The paperwork I had to onboard with them. And I just copied it and made my own. And then I went to the National Notary Association, National Notary Association database. And uh, the National Notary Association database and I had access to every notary in the country. So I just sent them that paperwork to onboard with my company. I filed my paperwork, you know, as a business. And I started paying them $75 to do these signings. I build the escrow company, 125 bucks, nice. you know, so it's only 50 bucks for me, but I don't have to do, I can operate that whole thing for my phone. I love it. And, uh, I love it. So it was just, you know, it was just more money, less time, man. Like how long were you doing money. that for? I did that for about two years. Gotcha. Why'd you stop I got bored, man. Like I don't want, I don't like, I don't like my phone and where I just didn't want to worry about that stuff, man. So if I had to do it all over again today, mm-hmm. I would have somebody, I'd put somebody else in charge of managing that process gotcha. so I could get my time back. Path of least resistance, man. I wasn't trying to do no hard work. I feel you. I feel you. And so does that also tie into, uh, like as you were uh, with the property management uh, company and how you were overseeing everything, did that tie into why? you eventually left as well? Or was it just mainly you just saw the cap 
of where you could go. And it's like you knew that there are just better opportunity for you to leave uh, because of the potential that you have. Yeah, I was staying. Uh, I was with a company called uh, Alliance Residential, and it was a really good, really good company, man. And I just really liked the people that I reported to. They're just, you know, good people and just looking out for me. And, uh, you know, so it was a very comfortable position. The pay was decent. I think I was uh, when I got into the regional role, I was at about, I don't know, about 150 or something with bonuses. I put me at about 180, maybe 190, depending um, with some other incentives, I'll, I'd probably cap out about 200, which is okay, right? Because, you know, it's, it's decent. But my side business, man, I was doing, uh, you know, I, I, I was doing probably $70,000 a month outside of that, um, you know, ranging from six, fifty to $70,000 a month outside of that. And I was just always looking for, and I was a, a, still a real estate professional, so I would do deals, you know, one-off here and there. And uh, I just I just wanted... I just wanted my time. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to be anywhere at any time unless I wanted to. And what I what I want to do is, you know, just like when I was a kid, man, when I get I got out of that house, I was doing my own thing, moving all over the place. I wanted to travel the country and, you know, manage my own investments. And I wanted to teach people about real estate. And that was that's what I was passionate about. So and just having my own operation. Um so I just eventually I just left because it made no more. So it, I, it was like 12 percent of my income by the time I left. Gotcha. And it was taking you know 50 hours a week. It just didn't make sense for me anymore. Okay. Plus, yeah, plus we got we got bought out. And, uh, you know, I just we weren't the, the, the new company was a big machine. And, and I, I just need something a little different. They're they're good people, too. It just right. I just need something different, man. Gotcha. I feel you. I feel you. Makes sense. Uh, and so now uh, tying into uh, Clubhouse. Um, I remember there was a video uh, that I saw of yours. I forgot where I saw it from. I'm not sure if it was on YouTube or Facebook or somewhere uh, to where uh, you basically uh, it showed that you had a plan to have something similar to like a mentorship and how you were explaining how you were going to do uh, these different things. But this was before Clubhouse came about. Uh, and so from there, uh, how did you hear about Clubhouse and did you make a connection that, oh, this could actually uh, help each other? Or was it just like a being in your purpose and just kind of when opportunity meets, you know, preparation is kind of went. So how, how did that come about? Was I uh, was I in a, a black suit with a red shirt? I, I uh, don't I don't remember. I remember you were standing next to a computer um, okay. and I just remember you were standing up. I, I don't remember what you were wearing. Yeah, man. You know what? I did, I had no idea that I was going to be in this space like years ago. So I'm 45 now. So when I was 38, um, I went back and looked at a video that I did when I was 38. And it was I had no idea none of this, any of this stuff was going to going to be going on. And uh, I was talking about how I just wanted to you know travel the country, teach and, you know, all these things that I wanted to do. And then I just forgot about it. And God hears that stuff, man. And, uh, you know, somebody asked me. See, I didn't even know what I wanted to do, man. I didn't know. I didn't know I wanted to be training people. I just like talking about real estate, just like you would like talking about, just like we like talking about our favorite football team or something that we like or or new edition. Well, I started talking about new edition concerts, but we can talk about we can talk about that all night. Same way about real estate, okay. and uh, I just I, I man, I just I, these things just started coming to fruition, and I didn't realize that they were happening until they were happening. I got on Clubhouse because I somebody recommended it to me, and I heard some people talking about real estate, but and they sounded like they were 
the authority on it, but the stuff that they were saying wasn't really adding up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just interjected, and I think people gravitate towards um, authenticity. Uh-huh. And uh, I think they could get a sense that, you know, I just I just like teaching people about real estate. I really don't care what people think. Uh, nobody on there is signing my checks. Um, and I just stayed consistent that whole time. And I think I don't know how many people follow me now, 20 something thousand or something like right. that. Yeah, you're definitely no. killed out there. Uh, and, and as far as I guess speaking of writing checks, there's something that uh, somebody they coined the phrase of the uh, the Otis Stimmy. Uh, is what they, they called it. So uh, for you guys that, that have never been in a room with Otis, so something that he will do sometimes, and you would say it kind of is led by the spirit. Sometimes you just hear somebody talking. You're like, you know what? I'm going to just give you $500. I don't know why. I just feel it. I'm, I'm just going to yeah. start giving money. And so what what brought you to start um, doing that? Like just uh, hearing, uh, like what are you hearing in people's voice? What's kind of going through your mind where you're like, you know what? I don't know why, but I'm just going to give you some money right now. What, what's what's some of the things that kind of go through your mind when that happens? That's the Holy Spirit, man. Like, you know, we're made up of flesh and spirit, right? And I think, you know, our spirit can communicate whether we know it or not. And I'll just be minding my own business, man. And the Holy Spirit will say, go ahead and bless that person. And I don't know what it is specifically, because uh, there's many times where it doesn't say anything, right? And people will be going through, you know, hey, I can't pay my rent. I can't do this. and Nothing, right? And then somebody will just be talking about, you know, maybe something that it is that they're trying to do or some desire they have or some of their goals. And some will just say, bless that person. So I just learned to listen to it, man. And uh, it brings me fulfillment, like helping people in in tough situations brings me fulfillment. And in order to do that, I got to make more money. And uh, so that that's a driving making the money doesn't bring me fulfillment. But being able to have my time to myself and and take care of people. you know, that that brings me fulfillment. So I'm always trying to make sure I'm in a position to be able to do that. And uh, I can't do that if I'm broke, man. I feel um, you. I feel you. Yeah. It's so, so, yeah, and my, dad, my dad used to have a he used to have a bank account where he would just he would just write checks for people that he came across that that were in need. Wow. Right. Or that were going through a tough situation. No questions asked. We didn't audit. He didn't never audited somebody. And he told me one day, he said, look, it's our job to give. It ain't our job to audit. You know, what they do with it is that's between them and God, right? So, so yeah, that's it, man. My accountants don't really like that too, too much. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got to manage it. But, but yeah, man, so that's, that's where it comes from. So, all right. So you, so you would say that, well, I guess that was at least a motivation factor of your dad being uh, the type of person that he was and he, him being a giving person. Would you say that is what kind of instilled that in you to be like, well, whenever I get to a certain uh, space, uh, I'm going to also give. Do you think about your dad when you're giving as well? That's the interesting thing, man. I really don't. I just enjoy doing it. And uh, even when I really didn't have it, like years ago, and, and you know James. James, is he does a lot of the business consulting component of what, what we do. Um, he was telling me, and I didn't even remember this thing. And I just heard James talking one day on, on Clubhouse. He was like, yeah, and, and one thing Otis used to always do is he used to pay for people's meals, right? And, uh, you know, I just see, you know, some some folks enjoying themselves or whatever. And just for some reason, I would just go cover their I just it just made me feel good to do that. So I've always been, you know, looking for those opportunities to be able to do that stuff. And I never tried to rationalize it. Uh-huh. Uh, I just, you know, I just do it when the, the, the spirit moves me, man. And and I'm no saint either. Uh, I know I think people think you have to be a saint to to kind of be in tune with that. I mean, I try to, you know, I try to be a good person and I try to, you know, I'm always trying to evolve into the person God wants. Be, but I'm not there yet, right? 
But uh, it's a that's a totally separate conversation. It brings me fulfillment, so I just I keep doing it. Gotcha, gotcha. I hear you. So, um, this mentorship program that you have, uh, which I'm a part of, and I'm uh, super appreciative of. But well, I guess I, I'll say this about the mentorship program. Um, I know when I heard about it, um, I you know, became a, a part of it. I just would hear all the information that you would give uh, as you're on stage. Uh, and you said something that I felt was was very powerful. And I, and I think about it from time to time. And now, whenever I'm posting things on social media, I try to keep that same philosophy in mind, which is sometimes people are just one piece of information away from getting to that next level. And so uh, for us, the biggest thing was we wanted to go from uh, wholesaling to flipping houses, but it was a, okay, well, how much money do you need to start flipping? And when you start talking to people, you, you realize it's like on certain deals, the one that we were getting, you would need at least, you know, 50 to 60,000 to put into the property uh, because they're only paying 60 to 70% of the purchase price. So now you know, you're kind of like, all right, well, I don't want to just completely empty out everything that I have and put into a property. But the information that you gave of getting that personal loan uh, and then using that personal loan to then acquire the property and then flip it, that was a, a complete game changer. And it's something that it's so simple, but it's like, holy crap, now I can do this. Now with this information, we could do that. So with that strategy, where did that come from? And uh, what what made you uh, think about that, or was that something that was brought to you? That's yeah, I'm, and I'm not reinventing the wheel, right? I think I just explain things in a way that's that's easily received, right? And when you start talking, and I understand in the educational space, you know, people people want to sound really smart, right? Like I can outline a bunch of different investment strategies, and I look really good and, and really really smart, and I leave a lot of people confused, so. They'll want to pay me for more. I just don't think that that's how things should be done. The goal is to, when you go to the doctor, uh, you just go in there to get fixed. You ain't going there for no long medical treatment. You just go in there to get fixed. So I just started breaking it down to, to where a seven-year-old can understand it, man. Real estate investing breaks down into four questions. What does it cost? What does it cost to fix up? What's it going to be worth when I'm done? How much income can it generate? And then you just find the financing to support whatever you decide based on those four questions. And I think there's this, uh, just the world we live in, man, is just, and this is part of the, the reason, I know it's a little off topic, but back to Clubhouse, that's part of the reason you don't just see me in a bunch of different rooms, you know, trying to get as many followers as possible. I don't want to be followed by a million people. I'd rather be followed by 10,000 of the right people, because I guarantee you with the right people in my network, I can drag that 1 million people through the mud. Right. You know, for focus and, and things like that. So that's always my purpose, man, to teach as many people as possible. Um, and I'm not teaching anything. I may explain it in a way that's that's easier, but I'm not teaching anything that you can't Google on the Internet. I think when you get into mentorship, it's tying all that stuff together. That is the, the magic. Right. right. Um, and I use the example. You can Google how to perform heart surgery, read medical journals and all that <laughs> stuff. If I put you in that operating room and give you a scalpel, right. you can probably pee on yourself a little bit. Right? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, there's, you know, in Clubhouse and some of these other platforms, and I get it. There's people out there that say, hey, fake it till you make it. Uh, I get that. There is a certain element of that. You have a brand, you have an image that you, you have to perpetuate, and, and I get that. But man, like, if you know God and God says that here, I'm taking you to this mountaintop, 
It doesn't matter about how many followers you have. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what you drive. It doesn't matter all that. And if you are who you say you are, you shouldn't have a scarcity mentality. Because the truth is, I always, I always incorporate a free option to everything I do. Clubhouse, I give that time. That's a free option. When I do masterminds or workshops, I'll sponsor a couple of people to come for free. Um, if I'm speaking at an engagement, I'll buy, you know, maybe 20, 30 tickets for people that want to go to uh, this engagement, right? I always leave an avenue for that person that doesn't have the resources because I've been there too. And I didn't have money to get all these tools and go to all these masterminds and all this stuff. So I, I, I keep a balance. But these flat platforms, man, I, I swear I've never met so many gurus and trillionaires on one stage <laughs> my whole life. Like, if you're not, it's okay not to be a millionaire, right? Like, I exactly. this year I won't clear a million dollars, right? I, I, I mean, I, I'll come close, but, right. but I'm, I'm not going. I'm not you, gonna clear do all right. Yeah, yeah, I, but I'll do all right. Actually, I, I probably won't even come within two hundred thousand now that I think about it, but. Right. Yeah, I can live all I, like that's my equity position is increasing. And, mm-hmm. and so what? You know, and I have friends that I just came from a, a friend's house for the, the few weekend. He's bringing in, you know, a million dollars a month, you know, Jeez. something like that. Gotcha. You know, so, so what does he do? What, what does that friend do? He, did, You know, uh, well, I don't know if he want me to put his name out there, but uh, you, you, well, you know, Anthony, Anthony Glenn. That's Anthony Glenn, friend. he does uh, was winning in real estate, ex-Marine, mm-hmm. used to train drill instructors and uh you know, he's just I went down there to check out his operation and just a just a real good dude, man. And uh, I'm glad I did that because I got focused because I can get comfortable. Man. I get real comfortable and comfortable. Comfort is almost like cancer. It will uh, it will take you out. And by the time you realize it, it may be too late. Right. right exactly. Um, so I went down there and got inspired, man. This brother's neighbors is commuting to work in helicopters. <laughs> I, nice. I give my heart. Uh, just a real humble dude, man. And uh, it's good to surround yourself around like-minded individuals. He actually took uh, took my, my mentorship course, too. And, and uh, he's he's got more resources than I do. He own, owns more property than me. So we learn things from each other, man. And again, that's why it's important to surround yourself with, with good people, smart people. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. Uh, and so something that uh, it was an uh, honor to, to be able to, one, write the wholesaling ebook, the wholesaling one-on-one, your first steps, and have it included in your mentorship program. So uh, one, just to kind of give the backstory of uh, the ebook that uh, that me and my wife wrote, um, I would come on Clubhouse, and when I first came on, similar to what you were saying, I would hear people just saying certain things that I'm like, ah, you know, I could... I could give a little bit more detail because I can understand how some people, they'll just be very broad and vague and use some big words just to attract people to get money. But my thing was, okay, well, I know what it felt like to not know these, what I consider simple now, like, oh, where do I get a contract? Uh, What happens when you get a property on a contract? Like what happens at these certain stages? And so my thing was, okay, well, let me just get on stage and speak to who I was some years back. So that way, whenever they come into the room, like you're saying, that's that one bit of information that they needed. And now they got a battery in their back and they can move forward. So from there, my wife would say, hey, Eli, you need to write an ebook. You need to write an ebook. And I'm like, I'm not a like, I don't write books like that's not my thing. And in my mind, similar to what you're saying, uh, my well, my self limiting belief was you need to be a millionaire in order to write a book. I don't I don't know where I got that from, but I'm like. That's just what was in my mind. And so that's what kept me from ever even attempting that. She was like, no, you don't have to write a book about how to be a millionaire because you're not a millionaire. What you have to do is write a book 
and explain to somebody how to get their first deal because that's what position you were in before and that's what you need. And so you can show somebody how to get a deal. And so as I was writing the book, I remember I wrote the first draft and my wife was like, no, nah, you need to get you know more basic than that because from this standpoint, somebody has to know what wholesaling is in order to understand these terms. So she was like, you know, water it down some more. So then I uh, I made it a little bit more, you know, explain more details. And like I had to write like three or four versions of the book until I'm like, OK, look, I can't break it down beyond like this point. Like at this point, like like somebody that doesn't know what wholesaling is, they'll just be able to read the book and, you know, have no knowledge. And then from there, they'll know how to get their first deal. And she's like, that's exactly what it should be. And that kind of was like that light bulb, like, OK, now I understand it. So from there, um, from us uh, working together uh, and you uh, reading the book and you loving it, what, what was your your thought process of when you first uh, read the book and when you first saw it and what made you decide to include it in your um, uh, in your program? Well, one, man, um, you just operate with a certain integrity and you can kind of feel people's energy. Right. And kind of see what people are about. And I, I come across a lot of people and. uh you know, I, I can I can tell if, if somebody is, you know, just a, 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 a good person. Right. Like that means a lot to me if you're a good person. Um, and then I, I read the book, man, and it was it was very detailed. And I thought, and, and you know, I have I, I'm focusing on beginners, right? Beginners in real estate, people wanting to get into it, people just starting out and then elevating them up to where they don't need me anymore. Right. right? And that book was so easily uh, easy to understand that it was it fit right into that, that business model. Right. And, um, so yeah, man, I was like, yeah, okay. The, the, there were folks in my program that were asking about wholesaling. I'm not a wholesaling expert. I think, uh, I do some of the same thing as wholesalers in the beginning to get the deals. And I, I teach that, but I just don't want to because I don't, I don't want to wholesale cause I want to be an investor. Right? If I'm doing all the work anyway, why not just capitalize on the work, which is what the conversation that you and I had. Right. But for those people, it's a great, there's a low cost barrier to entry into wholesaling. Okay. So I wanted to create that opportunity for the people that were interested in wholesaling. And that book was uh, was integral in me being able to do that. So uh, so that that was it, man. And, and uh, you know, and uh, even though I wanted to turn these folks to real estate investors, again, you know, I gave that book out uh, to people that were, you know, because I, I, that's also what I, why I wanted to license it from you, too, um, just because it was, uh, you know, I wanted something. OK, I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know how I was going to use it when I decided to, to license it from you. I knew I was going to have it available for people wanting it in my program. But it wasn't until, uh, you know, somebody that wasn't in my program wanted to, you know, they were in a really tough situation and I, I sent them the book and they actually started doing stuff with it. Right. Um, and part of what I do is, you know, I, I, I get, you don't have to pay me for me to pour into you. Right. Now, understandably I have, oh, there's only so much time I have and the people in my program and my events, they take, they have to take priority because I get spread too thin, but that book was great to be able to hand to somebody and say, Hey, do this. And, uh, you know, and some of those folks I, I never saw again. And, uh, and yeah, man, so it was just it, everything. All, it just fit in nicely. Gotcha. Right? It just fit in nicely. So I, and I appreciate it too, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there's some uh, other things I'm going to be uh, working on in the future. Uh, and it came from just having conversations with uh, different people. Uh, and though the book is about wholesaling, it does have 
different uh, aspects of real estate. So it talks about marketing. It talks about evaluating deals. It talks about these different things. But I found as I was telling people about like the flips that we're doing uh, now, and I, I spoke to them about the mentorship and I told them, you know, all these things that they were doing, I was like, okay, but how do you find the properties though? And I'm like, okay, well, I would refer them to the book, but they're like, well, I don't want to know how to wholesale. I just want to know how to find the properties. And so I'm considering maybe uh, even doing a separate book that's strictly how to find the properties because I feel like people uh, that don't want to wholesale, but they just want to go into flipping or they want to find the off-market stuff, uh, they're hesitant on reading the full process of wholesaling because they just want the first X amount of chapters, even though it doesn't go over every list that I go over. But I'm thinking about doing... Uh, something that's a lot more uh, detailed on all the different lists and possibilities that they could do and just um, getting detailed on that. But that's, I guess that's the first time I'm saying that publicly. So that yeah. is going to happen. And we'll, uh, once it does, once it materializes, then people will know about it. Um, well, let, me, let me know because I'm going to license that one from you too. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it. So the mentorship program, uh, again, I feel like it's something that has really changed things for uh, me and my wife and we are able to uh, get you know much larger checks for the transactions that we're doing so and uh, and my uh, operation what we're doing is like seven uh, seven to eight thousand was the average for our assignment fees uh, you know of course it'll be larger sometimes sometimes smaller but that's like around the average that it would be and so I was looking at the different houses uh, that we flip. And just to kind of talk about the last two, if we would have uh, assigned those two, it would have been 14000 for those two deals. But on the first deal, uh, we made about 25000 And on this one that we're about to sell, we're about to make, uh, I think it was like 53000 on that one. And so it was just like, every time I look at this stuff and I'm like, there was a moment to where I was almost afraid to invest in the mentorship because I'm like, that's a lot of money to be, uh, you know, spending at once. But I remember, and, and this is, and I never said this publicly either. There was a uh, Grant Cardone course, um, and this was only like 300 bucks, but it was like $300 every quarter or whatever. But I only did the first $300 and I've never spent that much on learning something. So to me, I was just like, I remember I was looking at the checkout and it was like $300 and I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going to like, and I'm, I'm like pacing up and down like the room. I'm looking at the checkout a lot of like, I'm like, is this like, am I really going to spend $300 on that? But if you talk about spending $300 on some shoes, I'm like, oh, those are nice shoes. I, I got to have these shoes. I got to have this watch. But I'm like, hey, $300. Am I actually going to learn what I need to learn? Am I going to get my money back? So once I, I remember I purchased that course and one, it was great information. It was, it was a lot of stuff. And, and this thing uh, and there was no way I was going to be able to consume everything in like three months. So that's why it was a get this, you know, pay every quarter because there's just course on top of course on top of course to go through. And it I learned some great things, but I had it maybe for that first three months and I canceled it. But I remember I called my wife after I paid for it and I was on the phone with her and I told her. Hey, I just spent $300 on a course. She was like, you spent how much? I'm like, yeah, $300. She's like, wait, what course is this? Like, what, what is this? I'm like, yeah, it's the Grant Cardone course and it's this and that. And I just remember her just being like, okay, well, look, if 
you believe that you're going to learn from this. Uh, and, you know, $300 is not a big investment if you're able to apply the information and get more. So, you know, just basically, you know, go for it, but make sure you didn't just spend $300 to not do anything with it. Just make sure you're actually learning from it. And I just remember for whatever reason, I just start crying on the phone. And I was like, it, it was, it was uh, some type of mental, uh, I think, barrier that I had on my value towards education. And mm-hmm. I, that day is when I feel like it, I kind of had some type of a breakthrough of, okay, I'm at a, I'm at a certain position and I've never been above this, this spot, but I know that there's other people that have different programs that I, that I could learn. So per, uh, another example of this was, uh, and I spoke about her in the book. Her name is Jennifer West Granhan. Um, I remember she had a mentorship program for wholesaling. And this is before I got a full uh, wholesale deal. Um, I remember I uh, would see her on YouTube all the time, but then I was frustrated because I'm like, I'm doing all this work. I can't get a deal. Uh, but then she had a mentorship. I, I signed up. I did like a discovery call with her and at, it was like a hundred and something. I think it was. And at the time, never spent a hundred and something on a course. So I'm like, you know what? I have been trying for years to, to figure this out. Let me go ahead and spend this hundred something. So um, I went through her course and after some time and I ended up, you know, quitting my job because I had like a good amount of money saved. And I'm like, in order to really do wholesaling the way I really need to do it, I need to leave my job. So I left my, uh, my job and within a month and a half of using her systems and uh, my wife being supportive of me, uh, after a month and a half, I got my first deal because I invested in a course. And so ever since then, it was like, I know the value of learning, but then it was like, well, how much are you willing to spend? So then that 300 was that that next barrier of, okay, well, you want to learn how much you want to spend. And then when it came to the course, uh, your mentorship, it was like, okay, we want to learn how to flip. Uh, and, you know, these assignments are great, but we're living, you know, assignment to assignment, you know, check after check. And uh, because, yes, you get that 7000 but then you got to put the money back into marketing and, and let it grow. And so from there, it was a, like, okay, well, we were kind of talking about it and my wife was like, Oh, how much is it? Oh yeah. We need to, we need to do this right now. And I'm like, Oh, so, okay. So it's like, so we are doing it. He's like, Oh yeah, let's do it. So then we uh, was a part of the mentorship. And then from there, luck, uh, we knew how to find the properties and we were going to assign it. But then we saw like, wait, hold on. We're a part of a mentorship program. This could be our first one. Let's not, sell this and if we have questions we have Otis to to ask and so that was a huge point for us so I'll say all that to say uh I am a part of the mentorship program and this isn't just a thing of hey pay me and I'm gonna boost your course it's I'm actually <laughs> you know I mean a part of the course and, and I'm speaking about this because it it has been a huge game changer for us and I'm I'm excited for what it's gonna do for for other folks but Talk, talk a little bit about the course, what brought it, uh, the, the member uh, mentorship, what brought it uh, about, what was the idea behind it in the different tiers? Like, just kind of break that down. Yeah, man, I, I wanted to create a thousand real estate investors and I wanted to have a program because that shows up differently for everybody, right? Some people have more money than others. Some people have more time than others. Some people have a little experience. And I wanted to create a structured curriculum to just kind of give the, the basics, the overview. But I also want to do have a platform that, okay, 
Because if you're like me, man, I, by the time I get to the end, I already forgot what I learned in the beginning, right? Like I have a very short attention span. So I wanted to create a platform where once you finish the structured curriculum, there's an ongoing curriculum, like, and it's Q and A, right? It's it's a uh, it's interactive, so it's our weekly roundups that we do every week. This is after the curriculum, and then I want to hold your hand through your first deal, right? So the goal is no one is out there having to try to remember what they learned and make a decision with no one to to be able to reach out to. So we call it a real estate family, man. Everybody has my real estate. Everybody has my my cell phone number. They can shoot me a text, um, you know, so we can service more people. I've, I've brought in uh, some other team members to do deal in things like tax planning and, and asset protection and uh, what do you call it in corporate structure and all those things. So now we've grown to where, you know, we've aligned with people so we can service everything. And once you're in, you're in like it's never like right now we're doing a, a group project where there's about 10 or 11 of us. They've been asking me, hey, let's go in. Let's just go buy something. Let's just go do something, right? So we're doing a group project, man, and, and we're about to go buy a, the, an apartment building, and it's going to be a learning process. Everybody's going to have roles. It's, it's going to be, a, you know, it's, it's just going to be a, a, a step-by-step. Everybody's going to be involved, and then we'll continue to do bigger ones because me, man, I don't partner with anybody unless I've trained them. All right. Now, I know that these folks operate with integrity. They know how I operate. So it's going to be a much smoother situation. But the goal is to create something where you have zero knowledge. You gain knowledge. You go through the overviews, the, the, the curriculum. You do your own deals. Right. I'm holding your hand through the whole process. Then you do more deals. Then you do more deals. And the goal is to make it so you don't need me anymore. Then when, once you get to that point, now maybe we can just partner up in something. Um, and, and there's a certain energy that I, I maintain, man. Like I, they all know I'm not chasing any money. I mean, I've given away more money than the average the person. Old, the oldest stimmy. <laughs> the oldest stimmy, right? Um, so it's not about the money. It's about the relationships and it's about, you know, just finding that fulfillment and being able to build something with like-minded individuals, man. I just think it's super cool. So, and it's not cheap, right? Like, I mean, my first, I think you were one of my first groups. I think you were in the, the first groups that right. went through and, um, you know, it's gotten a lot more, it's gotten more expensive since and we've expanded and now we're traveling the country and doing masterminds and workshops and all these other things, man. So, you know, it goes back to that, you know, somebody asked me one time, they said, OK, well, and this is when I was in corporate America. They said, well, if you could do anything you want, what would you be doing? And I said, man, I just want to I just want to travel the country and talk about real estate. All right. And I had no idea what this is before clubhouses or all that stuff. Right. And then come to find out, man, these opportunities just fell in my lap. And uh, we're doing a development project in Africa, development project in Kansas City. Like I was in Africa meeting all types of officials and ministers of this and that and generals and all that. But I had no, like, what am I, I would have never thought I was going to be there in a million years, right? So, so speak like, about so, that, that Africa project, because uh, that that's, I, I remember seeing the pictures, I, I remember seeing you out there, and I knew it was something real estate related. So how did that come about? And if you could talk about the project at all, what, what can you say about uh, what, what you're working on? Yeah, we're, we're really trying to put the project together, right? So we're going through the preliminary stages, um, locating financing and, and all the logistical stuff. We've got the, the backing of the government. Um, and I don't, I don't know if, if 
I, I may be saying too much, but there's a woman by the name of Sigur Jane who's actually in my program. And uh, I hate the word program. She's in our, our real estate family. There you go. She, uh, her and, uh, you know, she was talking about what was going on over there. So, you know, we just made it, we just planned a trip out there. And man, I had no idea how well connected her and her associates were. Like they're connected all the way to the top, right? right. So we went to Senegal, we went to Gambia and, uh, there's multiple projects out there that are, are, are on the table. So we're just going over the logistics right now and seeing which one we can bring to fruition and how. Um, it was life changing, man. It changed my life going over there. I came across an organization called the Starfish Organization, a nonprofit, where you got these young people mentoring adolescents and kids in the community. And uh, I, so we went to visit there, man. And it just, these kids just almost had me in tears, man. It's just they're making such a huge impact on the world. And I never they have a saying called do what you can where you are with what you have. Right. And it was just. I was able to see that, look, it doesn't matter how much we have, we're gonna do something regardless. Western culture, I ain't got it right now, so I ain't gonna do it. <laughs> I, I ain't got right, it. Right, right, right. So yeah, man, it was just a life-changing, it was a life-changing situation, man. And uh, I made a commitment to, to sponsor those kids over there. And uh, you know, I, I, I made it clear, I hope I was clear enough that, that they should never turn a kid away. Um, I'll go ahead and cover what it costs to be in that program for, for any of those kids in that community, man. And, um, very nice. Very nice. It's, it's dope. It's a dope situation, man. Life is life is good, man. I, I got to be honest with you. There you go. I love it. So for someone to be a part of that uh, that program of maybe what you think it says, uh, it's called Star Child or something like that? What was it called? A Starfish. A Starfish. starfish. So yeah. is there like a website uh, that people can go to for uh, Starfish for that if they want to help out? They do, man. And I don't have it available right now. I'm communicating with them directly and I had them on Clubhouse and they posted the link to their website and we, you know, people were donating and it was, it was really, really cool. But I'm going to put their, uh, on my 10K card at otisnk.com. I'm going to put that on my card and it's going to be a link to their, uh, their nonprofit. So. Gotcha. So I'll, I'll do that. I'll put a, I'll put a link, uh, at the bottom of the screen here so people can, uh, I guess it's best to just go to the otisnk.com and then, uh, you'll just have it there. Um, okay, yeah. so so I'll do that. So as far as your mentorship, um, you're going to talk uh, about like the different tiers and what they include uh, and yeah. how can they get in, uh, uh, in contact if they want to go to that, that mentorship. So that's on my 10K card too, but you can just go to my website at otisjames.com, right? See, I think it's uh, everybody with everybody, uh, otisjames.com and... Um, you know, and, and I encourage people to kind of reach out first. All my email address and everything is in my 10K card. Um, reach out first before you just swipe your credit card. Um, there was, I ran into some people that, you know, people get excited when they start understanding this real estate and when we're in some of these spaces like Clubhouse and they want to go to the website and just swipe $10,000 on their credit card. And uh, I know it's not the best business practice to steer people away from doing that. Like, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Mm -hmm. But I ran across some people that didn't need all that. Like they just needed to fill in some knowledge gaps. So we were able to put them down into a lower, a lower tier, right? And they range 3,000, 5,000, 7,500, 10,000. Gotcha. 3,000, you're getting the group sessions, you're getting the curriculum, and you still get the weekly roundups every single Monday at 5.30 California time. And, uh, and I'm still holding your hand through these uh, projects that you're going to be doing. 
5,000, you get one-on-one coaching with that. At the $7,500 level, now we're getting into the multifamily commercial stuff. So there's a separate curriculum for for those folks. And the 10,000 is everything in the previous ones, but now we're getting into your corporate structure and we're actually going to set it up for you. So um, that information's on on our website and, uh, you know, events, we do events. We don't do, uh, I guess the events sometimes act as sales funnels. But we give people enough information to where they can just walk away and generate some income. That's right. the that's the goal. So my events are on the website too, and uh, and, and yeah, man, it's uh, and, and we've been fortunate to have some great people in the program. Like there's, there's no one in the program where I'm like, oh, I gotta work with this. <laughs> right, right. right. So uh, you know, uh, you know, I think we, you know, we attract what we are, right? And I think uh, you know, operating in transparency, good, good faith. We put our values first, man. Uh, we make it about the people, not about the transaction. And we encourage the people in our real estate family when they're doing deals and talking to distressed sellers to make it about the person and not the uh, and not about the transaction, right? One of the things we teach is look: if you find somebody that lost their job, ask them how much food they have in the refrigerator, right? And, and and all those small things, right? Because people don't understand there's there's some there's some income that doesn't always show up on a spreadsheet, right? Every time I give, just remarkably some opportunity lands in my lap right after that, right? I, I'm not telling people what to believe, but I believe Jesus Christ is 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 putting that those opportunities, right? He said he would. Right. And uh so yeah, so we put our values first, man, and you know, we don't chase money, we chase fulfillment experiences and being able to sleep at night. So there you go. That's, that's it in a nutshell. I, I love it. I love it. And with your uh, masterminds. So uh, I'm used to the information that you provide. Uh, I've been in uh, many of your rooms. I uh, go to some of the, the roundups. I'm in the, uh, the multifamily uh, level of your mentorship, but this uh, mastermind that you have to where you're traveling across the country uh, with uh, you got uh, James Lewis, you got uh, Dimitri uh, and you have, is it Jason? Jason Smith, yeah. Jason Smith. So um, just listening to all the, the different perspectives that they have, uh, my wife and I got so much uh, information from just seeing that additional uh, information as far as like corporate structures and piercing, you know, corporate veils and uh, different life insurance policies that you can uh, use for tax shelters. And uh, I'm going to also be having them on the podcast and they'll go deep into those. But um I, I felt like that was a great introduction to, okay, first you, and, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong on like the, I guess the psychology of all this. First, you make your money from real estate, from what you're showing. So whether it's wholesaling, flipping, buying a whole multifamily, whatever. And then from there, you build it up to where um, you are eventually going to, well, you probably need your corporate structures first. Corporate structures, real estate. And then as you start making more money, you want to make sure you're protecting yourself uh, from additional taxes, which is why you need different investment vehicles or insurance vehicles to basically shelter uh, yourself. Or or how, how would you say the, the psychology and the piecing of all y'all coming together is? What, what, what makes it all work? Well, I didn't want to have to send anybody somewhere else. So my uh, advisors and my tax attorneys and all those guys are in the company. I've already paid them, right? Um, and Jason and his team, uh, Tom is, I, I believe, the principal, but Jason, uh, that team, I knew some people in their team from years and years ago, and, and I knew that those are good people, and they're more boutique. 
And they're just they believe in, in, in me just as much as I believe in them. And they see where this thing is going to go. And so they're flying out with us to be able to do these masterminds. And look, I tell people you're going to be wealthy if you don't believe it. I can't believe it for you. Mm-hmm. So be prepared to be wealthy. OK, if you don't go, if you're not going to be wealthy, make it because you don't want to. Right. Some people say, well, money's not everything. Well, that's true until you don't have it. OK, what's the most important thing to you? My kids. OK, would you sit and watch them starve to death? Right. You can spend all the time with them. You can starve to death together. Right. So uh, it's it's I encourage people. It's like, look, we weren't put here to be begging. We weren't put here to be asking, walking in the rooms with our heads down. No, let's get this money. OK. And then do with it what you wish. You can either make the world a better place or you can allow it to destroy you. Either way, you need to make sure that you are protected. Right. If you're going to do the right thing. I look for three things. Tax favor, liability protection, anonymity. I look for those three things. And I need to know how to structure that correctly or have the people on my team that know how to do that. And we offer those services to everyone else. So that was my thought process. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. So uh, now um, at this point of the podcast, we start talking about um, the three books that you would recommend. Uh, You you can say a few more, but uh, three of the top books that you would recommend for someone who is interested in real estate investing uh, or just overall entrepreneurship or, or mindset books? What are the three that you would recommend uh, for that? Oh man, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think is the, the, the go-to for everybody, right? It's just easy to, uh, easy to receive. Um, the Richest Man in Babylon was a good one for me too. Um, you know, it, it really gives you, you know, the, the theory around you know, compound interest, right? Like just how that, it, that the mindset, the investing, the investing mindset. Uh, and I think another one, man, I would say, hate to sound cliche, man, but I got to say that good book, the Bible, whether you believe in it or not, it gives you a perspective to conquer any obstacle that you can, right? And I wouldn't be here without it. Again, I'm no saint, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. I can't unsee or, 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 or unexperienced the things that, that I have with respect to that relationship with God. So, um, so that, that's gotta be my three go. I got a bunch of them too, man. Like, um, what do you, t- uh, shoot. I got, a, and I do audio books, mm-hmm. right? I'll do, I don't, I do audio books when I'm in traffic. I encourage people. I was about to go through my whole book playlist for you, but I, you probably got the time. Uh, also, the uh, Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is a really good one. Um, gosh, anything, just about anything. But oh, I can't remember. Uh, Tony Robbins, just about anything from Tony Robbins is, is, is good, man. Um, gosh, there's a whole bunch. Uh, what's the uh, the guy that's a motivational speaker? To the Eric Thomas? No, he wrote 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Let me just... It is uh, never split the difference. Okay, Atomic Habits, Robert Allen's Nothing Down. I'm just going to give you my whole list, right? Mm-hmm. Outwitting the Devil, the, the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, uh, The Philosophy for Successful Living, Jim Rohn is a good one. Uh, John Maxwell, that's who it is. The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership was completely eye-opening to me. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Expected People. He talks about, you know, Having the right attitude, setting goals, having a way to measure them, discipline and consistency. That's like a that's the formula for success. Right. I think we all talk about those things in just different words. Um, and I got a bunch of other ones in there, man. I think I'll, I'll post them on my uh, 
I'll post them on my my 10K card or something gotcha. for, for gotcha. Awesome. And so uh, when it comes to first steps, if somebody wants to become a real estate investor, what would you say are some first steps that they should take before they do anything? Do these first steps first. Um, I would say uh, write down four questions and find the answers to those four questions. Right. What does something cost or what am I willing to pay? What's it going to cost me to improve it or fix it up? What's it going to be worth when I'm done? How much income can it generate? Once they can find the answers to those four questions, they're ready to put in an offer on something. And now you just bring in the financing to be able to support what it is you're trying to do. Gotcha. That's I tell everybody, start there. OK. Awesome. Um, awesome. And do something, right? Like do something. You can sit and, you know, I know there's limiting beliefs and I know we're all afraid to ask a dumb question or what sounds like a dumb question. The people that are most successful are the people that take action. And the people in my position that see people taking action in spite of what they don't know, those are the people that I want to help the most. So, yeah, just do something. Answer them four questions and do something with it. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. And so now we go to the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you three uh, random questions and then you just come with whatever uh, comes to mind. So one, your favorite movie. Oh, my favorite movie is uh, uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. All right. Well, who's, yeah. a, who's the main character in that? With uh, Kurt Russell and uh, Doc Holliday and Val Kilmer. Gotcha. Yeah, the okay. Captain. Gotcha. All right. And the best meal that you cook? Oh, man. Vegan's, uh, vegan spaghetti. Vegas, are you are you vegan? I'm not, but I'm going plant based just, just to get in, in better shape. Gotcha. So, yeah, vegan spaghetti. What what is what is the spaghetti if it's vegan? What what's in it? So it's plant based. It's all the you know the vegetables and spices and things. But you're using plant based meat and you're using uh, vegetable pasta, which tastes the same as regular pasta. Gotcha. Okay. Is it like uh, zucchini or something? No, it's just it tastes like pasta. Like I can't tell the difference. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And. Uh, now I have uh, a would you rather. So it's a, a this or that. So would you rather be able to just straight up be able to breathe underwater or would you want the ability to swim 30 miles an hour? Oh, breathe underwater all day. Gotcha. That was easy for you? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to make that one hard. <laughs> I'm 30 miles an hour. What you going to do? Like you still, you can still get stranded out there. I'd rather, yeah. I'll swim. Oh, and just kind of, you know, go chill with the sharks and fish and all that. Gotcha. gotcha. If I, I got to get away from somebody, I'm going to go deep rather than go far because gotcha. they're going to $30,000. Very nice. Okay. That's an interesting answer. So uh, lastly, uh, if you want to leave everybody with some words of wisdom um, before they, you know, go off into their real estate journey, what are some words of wisdom that you'll give them? I would say move forward, not because of how you feel, but in spite of how you feel. Mm. Boom. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Hey, thank you uh, so much for uh, coming on to this podcast. I uh, took some great notes and, and it's always uh, a pleasure uh, speaking with you. And, um, you know, every time uh, we hear you speak, you always uh, leave us with something. So thank you so much for coming on this, uh, this podcast. Right on, man. I appreciate you. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you for listening to the Your First Steps podcast. Let us know what you thought about this episode by leaving a review. And don't forget to subscribe.